When Ryan's when it's time to begin, it's on the rewind around with John Pollock and waiting the A team that makes sense of these things we see in the ring every week on TV. It's rewind around for Monday night, download a Tuesday morning from the post wrestling site. It's rewind around for Monday night on USA now on the John and Wade take the mic. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Rewind to Raw. I am John Pollock, along with Waiting. And I wanted to let everyone know that I've been drafted to Rewind to Raw, and I've just filmed my isolated reaction shot to being alerted that I'm at Rewind to Raw. And it goes something like this. <laughs> How's that? Did that convey my excitement to be <laughs> part of this brand? way that we got tonight these cutaways were uh <laughs> some of them are really comical <laughs> oh when are cutaways not comical um I mean... when Britt baker is watching adam cole get thrown off the top of a cage mm. well that ended up being comical maybe for some other turned reasons. out to be comical yes we didn't know who that was that yeah we just uh isolated yes yeah guess a little comedy uh but how are you I, how are you honestly I'm doing okay. I, I think I'm just a bit uh, lower energy than usual, man. I think it's just from doing these, okay. you know, two two shows a day. I understand. So they're just very long days. That's all. Well, we're uh, we're only going to go a couple of minutes tonight, so we will uh, we we will jet through uh, tonight's uh, edition of the show, the second night of the draft. But as Way mentioned, two shows, one day. We have already put up a G1 show from earlier today that you can go check out. Our G1 coverage continues for. The next three weeks here in the month of October, it is a great time. It is always a great time to join the cafe. Uh, but this time, we really mean it this month because you have got so many great G1 shows to come. The finale of What If drops this Thursday, 10 o'clock Eastern, a live edition of MCU Later Way. I understand you and WH, you're not coming alone to say goodbye to What If because you said, what if we had two extra voices join us? That is correct. We're going to be joined by both Nate Milton and Rich Payne, who uh, appeared on the series before in the past, and we're going to have them both, both of them on talking about the series finale. So we are assembling from the various multiverses of the NWA as well as the PW Torch to uh, help us tackle this edition of What If, the finale. And we'll also be doing uh, phone calls for people that tune in live again Thursday, 10 p.m. Eastern, right on the Post Wrestling Cafe. Okay, so look look out for that on the cafe as well for cafe members. Tuesday, we're dropping Rewind Away, number 90-something, where Way and I will review the Will Ospreay documentary that was released last year, and we we are bringing, up, bringing in the backup. Benno is joining us to assess this documentary and give us really like a, a kind of on-the-ground reaction to the UK scene that feels like a hundred years ago now, as we look back to 2016, 2017, which is a big part of the documentary. So that will be dropping uh, Tuesday afternoon, Tuesday evening for cafe members. Uh, I'm looking forward to chatting with Benno. It's been a while. Uh, it, it hasn't for me, but um, it, it'll be fun to talk to him uh, outside of the confines of the BWE world transfer window where, where things got a little heated. So oh. uh, I look forward to speaking to Benno. And for people who want to watch the documentary, it's called Will Ospreay, The Rise of a Pro International Pro Wrestler. 
Uh, in, in, in the U.S., you can purchase it for rent on Amazon Prime. I believe in the U.K., it is available to stream on Amazon Prime on the streaming platform. If in you're Can- in Canada, you can take up permanent residency in another country to watch this documentary. In Canada, forget about it. It's pretty much impossible. <laughs> take uh, our we, word for it on the review. We tried, and I had to rely on uh, John Ceno's account. So thank you, John Ceno, for uh, making this review possible. But it's impossible <laughs> to find otherwise in Canada. I can't even legally buy it. So... Uh, you're kind of out of luck, Canadians, unless you know somebody in the U.S. Yes. Uh, so there you go. The whole schedule is up on the site. NWA podcast will be out this Sunday. Uh, lots of great stuff. Up next on Tuesday night, 2.0, the the ever-evolving world of NXT 2.0, which lost some more bodies over the last couple of days. So we'll, uh, we'll get into that. And uh, while we are on the air tonight, we will be getting the latest supplementary picks on Raw Talk. So we will update you when those picks come through. If anybody, if anybody wants like exhibit number infinity in favor of unscripted promos, go turn on Raw Talk and just watch Kevin Owens be asked by Kevin Patrick what it means to be on Raw and pointing out that you've never won the WWE Championship and how Kevin Owens grabs a random vice grip and... Gave you a gripping promo. This was very entertaining stuff. For, for fans of Kevin Owens with uh, uh, Tom Phillips, this was uh, right up your alley. This was a, a fantastic 60 seconds. How is uh, uh, Jackie Redman on the show? I literally saw like a minute of her. She seemed fine. Like She's a, she's a total pro. Um, she was with Matt Camp hosting this. And no, she's... I think she'll be... She'll do very well in the role, especially having a familiarity with WWE from all those years. So I think that's that's always the learning curve when it's a new broadcaster is just getting used to the WWE speak and being up on the characters and such, which I figure she will be able to adapt to much easier than someone that's just coming from the sports world without any wrestling knowledge. Right. Cool. So we'll get to those picks when they uh, they come in, but let's let's jump into some news from the past couple of days. The first night of the draft on Friday night on SmackDown did two million two hundred and fifty two thousand viewers, point six two in the eighteen to forty nine demo, winning the night among all television programs, uh, according to Showbuzz Daily and our pal Brandon Thurston. Uh, it was actually up in viewers from last year's draft, but down slightly in 18 to 49. Last year was the Thunderdome era that was working against them, uh, where they were also going against the NBA, Major League Baseball and such. But uh, they did get a bit of a boost for this. If you throw out the MSG edition of SmackDown from a few weeks back, this would have been their highest SmackDown number since that first week back with fans. So getting at least a, a minor bump, which was more than last year. Last year, it was like the draft meant nothing. Um, I think there was at least slight interest, but I don't think this is the day's way of, of years past, way, way years past, where the draft was like a, a big mover for the annual shows that they would do for them. Right. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, the, the further we get into years of just... Mm, them largely tonight's raw was a perfect example like everyone intermingling on each brand and you just there's very few i think movements that are going to have any kind of wow factor to them that it's just not a whole big deal seeing people on shows where like a kevin owens that has been on each brand umpteen times that going back to raw cool he's on this show 
Yeah, I mean, it's one thing I think when you're talking about sports where somebody can change into I don't know thirty different teams. I mean, in wrestling, it's really only just two teams, and you're either on one show or you're on the other show. And um, the the more years we do this, uh, the the less fresh I would say it feels. But I mean, you know, th- th- there is some sort of like excitement I would say attached to these shows that elevates it from the norm normal edition of SmackDown and Raw. So I. I think, you know, that that was reflected in the ratings. Do you do you sense that we might get more of kind of um like if you're a viewer that's just coming in, like this is tonight's raw, it was pretty fast moving. You always had like pretty much half hour in- intervals between picks that it's it's really designed to hook that viewer that's going to stay tuned um for that curiosity. And maybe that goes a little bit against our point if that bears out of still having that curiosity of like notable names moving back and forth. You know, it's hard for me to say whether or not somebody would stick around just to find out what those picks are. Cause you can just as easily just find out, I don't know, uh, by checking Twitter, not, a, not Facebook today, but if you were to check your, your Twitter just every half hour, I mean, it, the news is pretty much out there. So I think it would largely depend on how, how interested you were in the show itself in the main event, perhaps, and whether or not you had other options tonight. Yeah, I mean the uh the football game tonight with like the Raiders and uh Chargers, it was like a blowout by halftime. So maybe that gave them a little bit uh of a of a help. Uh but we will see when that number comes out Tuesday. Rampage on Friday did 622,000 viewers and a 0.25 in the 18 to 49 demo. They finished third on cable. Uh college football won the night. But this was the lowest Rampage number uh, to date. They were down 3% in viewers, 12% in the demo from the week before. And they are coming off that big Arthur Ashe Stadium edition of Rampage with Punk's match. Uh, But this one was also built up with a Danielson match and a notable one with that and a hair versus hair stipulation. So, I mean, do you just sense that Rampage is kind of settling into these these kinds of numbers? And what do you think it's going to take for Rampage to see... Big spikes. Do you think that this is still a respectable number given where they are? Or is this below expectations given our eight-week experiment of Friday Night Rampage? I mean, I do think the show is settling. I I do think they should be relatively happy for, you know, like, remember, this is still at 10 o'clock on a Friday. And um, I think, you know, the more we see Danielson, the more we see Punk, I mean, it's, it's going to feel a little less important every single time i also also question how how much they might have advertised the show maybe outside of our bubble here you know like you and i might have been aware that nick jackson versus brian danielson was going to occur but how how much of a promoted um feature was it outside to tnt audiences that aren't watching uh, as much as we normally do i'm not really sure but i i think you know there will still be occasional events where they'll do that extra you know, plus 700, 800 range rating. But I would say for the most part, it's probably going to stick within this area. Do you think with this audience that taped means means anything? I mean, traditionally, it has not made uh, a, any difference. And we have seen, you know, the example of, you know, how big, you know, seeing Punk's first match did very well last week, that that quarter and that Everyone knew the result or could have found out the result. Um, do you think that makes any any kind of a difference when it comes to this versus uh, Dynamite that does have that that live feel to it? I don't think so. I think I think the, the time of day is more important. You know, if, if Dynamite was taped every 
week and aired at Wednesday at eight, I feel like the ratings will be very similar. Um, if anything, I think oftentimes telling people, Hey, this match is guaranteed to be amazing because the people who saw it taped live, um, say so. I mean, that to me is more of a hook than a negative, not, not, uh, not the wrestler. I was going to say, maybe that's the secret ingredient that they need on Friday nights in a year. Yeah. The Friday night hook. Um, so there you go. That was, uh, the rampage number. Uh, we don't have a crazy amount of news to go through here tonight because I think a lot of it is going to center on the draft and people's interest. But I thought just given that we have a bit of a gap in the G1, we could just bring people up to speed on the standings and just some, some of the overall stories being told on the A block. Um, it's kind of, uh, it's pretty competitive right now where you've got Zack Sabre Jr., Great Okan, Kenta, and Kota Ibushi, all with eight points, followed by Shingo Takagi, Tomohiro Ishii, and Toriyano with six, Yujiro and Tangaloa at the bottom with four, and Tetsuya Naito is out of it. On the B block, it's it's kind of settling into a two-man race with Jeff Cobb and Kazuchika Okada, who are both undefeated at 5-0 and with 10 points, followed by Evil with eight, Tanahashi at six, Sonata and Taichi with four, Yoshihashi, Tamatonga, and Chase Owens, and Hiroki Goto, all with two points and are virtually out of it based on the domination by Cobb and Okada out of the gate through the, their first half of the tournament matches. If you're looking at the A block way, uh, midway through, who do you see being the favorite to win win the A block? And is this a year that uh, a Zack Sabre Jr. may be going further? Or do you think that he has already gotten kind of his his big highlight of the tournament from this incredible start. Yeah, I do think so. I mean, I think he, you know, oftentimes the, the guys with the wedding streaks off the top don't necessarily make it to the end because they already have their story. They already have their, you know, oftentimes they already have their championship um, shot, you know, by beating the champion um, earlier in the, in the tournament and, and halfway through, I think that's what we have for Zach, Zach Sabre Jr. He certainly was the story coming out of the first uh, half of, of the G1 with, Upset victories over Tetsuya Naito, Shingo Takagi, uh, and really just like ha- putting on uh, amazing performances all the way through. So uh, both in storyline and out of storyline, I would say he's certainly the MVP of the G1 so far. I recommend almost every single one of his matches thus far. Um, but I don't see him winning the tournament um, because he, he has already beaten Shingo. He'll probably challenge for the belt at some point. And that leaves um, other other options and I can't really say anybody looks all that attractive, you know, even if they do end up winning the block. I don't know if anybody in the, the A block will go on to win the tournament itself. Yeah, I think that the A block, it's you can go a number of different ways. I think that Kota Bushi is going to be a big player going into the, the final A block night at, at Budokan. I don't even rule out Shingo winning winning the A block and doing something a little different where the champion at least goes to... The final, I think that's an option. I'm with you. I think that Zach is he's already beaten Takagi. He's gotten so much out of this. I don't think he needs to win the block uh, to go any further than he has. There's also like the question mark of how much Naito's withdrawal has caused d- different different changes to the tournament. Different different guys getting points that maybe you didn't earmark to have to do. Uh, that that would be interesting in, in and of itself. So uh, when we get Ghetto on the show in a couple of months, we will definitely grill him on the, the A block rebooking. Uh, but the B block side, I mean, there's Cobb and Okada, and that's the obvious one that this comes down to that final showdown where they're on the final night of the B block. And I think it's as simple as that, that it's going to come down to these two and the winner 
wins the block. Um, and I, mm-hmm. I guess it'll just be a question of who else do they keep alive uh, if a Tanahashi survives late, later into the tournament. But I think that's what we're headed towards, the big block leaders having their match and the winner wins the block and might be a favorite to win the whole thing. Yeah, the divide seem I mean, is a lot further in the B block side of things with only maybe a smaller number of uh, legitimate competitors. We already had at least one mathematical elimination coming off of um, today's show. Um, but I I do feel like in the end of this whole thing, it's to me looking like it's an Okada G1 this year. Um, but I'm sure they'll tell quite a nice little story with Jeff Cobb and him leading all the way up to the end. Is there anyone that's... Um impressed you in a way that you went into this tournament not having like i'm sure you came into this knowing shingo takagi's probably gonna have some good matches this guy ishi i i've heard great things but are there other names that have maybe surprised you uh halfway through yeah if you've listened to my, my reviews you'll know that i've somehow gravitated towards chase owens and tamatanga is two of my favorites to watch this g1 because they've not done much cheating in their matches they've actually gotten into great shape both of them and have had actually very impressive performances maybe compared to what uh, I was expecting prior so uh, those two and I'd like to actually direct everybody's attention to uh, Bruce Lord's report for the day Bruce Lord and Mark Buckledy are uh, doing written reports on our site after every single G1 and Bruce today actually pulled out the calculator and did some mathematical calculations about um the uh, a G1 wrestler's average G1 rating compared to their usual overall match rating on cagematch.com. Uh, it's a wonderfully fascinating look at who actually might be more impressive in the G1 compared to their usual output. So I recommend everybody go to postwrestling.com slash G1 and check out the day 10 report. Yeah, some uh, some great stuff from Bruce and from Mark Buckledy. So uh, do go and check out those reports. And Including a uh, spoiler-free um, match recommendation. Yeah, at the beginning of each, they do a spoiler-free overview of the matches um, with, with some notes, what they recommend. Um, spoiler-free yeah. at the beginning. So you can click on the report, and the world will not come to an end because you will not see the precious results. And today's G1 was actually free. It is act is actually free to stream on a New Japan World. So if you want to sample it, you can. Yes, for sure. And Wei and I will be back on Saturday, and we're going to be doing a catch-up show where we review the Thursday, Friday, and Saturday G1s all together on Saturday for patrons. So look out for that. Last thing here before we get into Raw is uh, what's coming up the next two nights. NXT, they have LA Knight versus Odyssey Jones and an eight-man tag with MSK, Josh Briggs, and Brooks Jensen against Carmelo Hayes, Trick Williams, Zach Gibson, and James Drake. And we will also, I guess, get the uh, what-if scenarios uh, as they have to somewhat address an outgoing North American champion, the breakup of a team of Pete Dunne and Ridge Holland. So I guess those we will see. Tian Sha? Gone. Poor poor Mei Ying. Well, I mean, you know, he, he still has Boa. That's right. Uh, Boa is still still sticking around. Do yeah. you, do you think that we obviously you have to do something with the champ? Uh, I'll ask you this. Number one, uh, does Isaiah Scott at least lose the title on NXT, or do they just strip the title? And number two, do we get like a storyline write out of Ridge Holland, or is it going to be something very fleeting? Hmm. Um. 
Like, will they go through the trouble of an actual breakup with Dunn and Holland uh, splitting? I think they, they they will mention it, you know, uh, whether or not like it'll require them turning on each other. I don't I don't really foresee that. I think he'll probably be sticking as a heel, you know, lead, coming into WWE. Um, you know, I, I'd be curious to see if like Johnny Gargano sends any sort of goodbye message to Austin Theory or if he, they just come up with some sort of excuse about him. I don't know, going on vacation or something. Um, but I do see Swerve losing the belt at some point in the next month. Yeah, I mean, in theory, uh, these these moves don't go into effect until October 22nd, although Raw told me much differently tonight. So, I mean, they have some some time, I guess, that they could write them out of what existing stories they're involved in. But, mm-hmm. um, but I mean, NXT is not the priority. You know? No, it's NXT- not. Like, they could really just say, hey, uh, Swerve is now uh, a featured talent on SmackDown. We don't want him losing on USA. Figure it out. And that's that's what NXT is now. It is not this uh, brand that we're going to take ultra care with. It's like, get the re- get them ready. They are here to be stars over here. And you, your continuity is... Well, we're going to see. This will be a test of how important uh, storyline continuity is for NXT or not. If Ridge is just plucked out and we don't see this guy on NXT again. We, we will see. Mm-hmm. So let's go to Raw, the second night of the draft. And... Uh, We'll go through the show, and then at the end, we'll kind of look at, at how the rosters have now shaped up after all of these changes, uh, complete with the the supplementary uh, picks as well. But Becky Lynch started the show. We're in Nashville, Tennessee at the Bridgestone Arena, and she comes out, and this whole arena, Becky, Becky. <laughs> Super babyface tonight. I mean, yes. she's she's a star, right? So, yeah. And she says that the man has come around to Monday Night Raw. It feels good to be back and reveals that she is the first draft pick, which the announcers state she has declared, but it is not official yet. And then it was made official. So she is back on Raw. She says technically she never lost the Raw women's belt. And Charlotte has never been the same since I last beat her, while I have never been better since I lost to her. So it's time to be Becky two belts again. Charlotte comes out saying before, before Charlotte, she wasn't Becky two belts. She was Becky pre-show and I made you famous, which I would say if, if anyone kind of got her around the corner, I think it was Nia Jax busting her open. I mean, it did start with Charlotte though. And that, that kendo stick attack. It started with, well, that, uh, that ill-advised heel turn that we got that involved Charlotte, so in, mm. in, in a way. Bianca is out, and she comes out. She has unfinished business with both. They took cheap shots against her on SmackDown, and she gets shushed by Charlotte, which leads to a chant of Charlotte sucks. Becky starts stirring the pot and said, I would fight Charlotte now, but I have nothing to prove, and proposes that Flair and Bianca have a match, since they have never had one before, adding to the uh, belief that NXT does not exist, and this match did not take place in February of last year. Didn't happen anymore. It didn't. Yeah, that lineage is just gone. They keep arguing until Adam Pearce and Sonya Deville come out and make this first-time-ever match for tonight's main event. Plus, they run down women's tag title match and a United States title match for later tonight. With Jeff Hardy coming out, I had so many questions here about Jeff Hardy. Number one, this man getting another title opportunity. Second, 
why would we put this this guy who's leaving Raw? We're gonna give him a chance to leave with the belt. This was this was poor thinking. I I don't know. I don't know what sort of um maybe he already earned the title shot somehow, even though he didn't he already lose a title shot, but he probably signed up for it already last week and they have to follow through, much like the, some of the other title shots that they've set up already. Like Drew McIntyre versus Big E, why why would that happen, right? I don't think they think about that those scenarios until um you know, Drew wins the belt, then they'll figure it out. Uh what'd you think about the opening segment with the uh with the three? I thought it was uh, a pretty cool start, you know, like to have all your big female stars out there on the same show, on the same stage. It wasn't just uh, starting off with the draft. I mean, Raw's a bit of a longer show, so I think so. I think to start off like this was was totally fine. Um, Becky is the biggest star on the show, and to start off with her made sense to me. Uh, I'm just going to read off the supplementary picks that I've got in front of me because it, it might come up uh, throughout these performers coming up on Raw. So. On Raw Talk, this was the announcement. So going to Raw are Liv Morgan moving over, Tegan Knox, who they have split with Shotzi. Shotzi will be on SmackDown. Mia Yim on Raw. Tamina on Raw. Cedric Alexander. Mia Yim was just moved to SmackDown and never showed up. She never did make it onto SmackDown, so she is back Mm. on Raw. Uh, Tamina and Natalia are split up. Tamina is on Raw. Natalia is on SmackDown. Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin, so they'll keep them with Bobby Lashley. The Miz stays on Raw. Dana Brooke, she's still on Raw way. Okay. Uh, Jackson Riker still on Raw. Rude and Ziggler are now on Raw. Veer is on Raw, while Jinder is over on SmackDown with Shanky. Oh, Veer solo. Okay. He is he has veered off to Raw, <laughs> and Jinder Mahal and Shanky are on SmackDown, meaning that Drew and Jinder, they can still finish all, all of that unfinished text messaging business over on Friday nights. Mm, interesting. Okay. Uh, so th- does that complete it? That's that's everything. Yes. So just splitting up some of the women's teams of the few teams that, that you have. And I guess you can make some new ones if you have to. And you're going to put probably get a few more names too. Like I don't know if many of the 24/7 division guys are accounted for. There's some that were just, you know, there's probably a much longer list, but you know, you have names that have been out for some time like Elias, Oscar, um ones like that as well. Yeah. Actually, I think pretty much everybody, even Gulak, Tazawa, Maverick, they're all they were all accounted, accounted for, for, yes, yeah. which I Man, guess is kind of your whole 24/7 crew when you think about it. Gulak is off of uh, Raw, so um We'll see if he gets used on TV, but at It'll least just he's out mean of that he's, division. Yeah, I mean, yeah. We'll go over the uh, the whole rosters afterwards. But uh, then the first round is announced by Adam Pierce and Sonya Deville. So Becky to Raw. The Usos stay on SmackDown. And they go to Heyman with the Usos. Heyman is relieved. So after all of that, this was just – this was taken care of in like the first segment – there was no drama throughout the show. It was like they set this up on Friday, and I thought it was kind of intriguing for tonight's show. And it was immediately settled, and they did a promo backstage later in the in the in the show. That was it. It felt like they were handing off to Raw this story, and Raw was just like, "We don't really want it," <laughs> you know. Like, well, we got our own stories. We have other things to put on the show rather than a whole Paul Heyman situation. So I thought we were going to get segments with Heyman protesting to Adam Pierce, getting turned down, then trying to bribe Sonya and just 
constantly like it'd just be a big Paul Heyman heavy um, series of segments. And then finally they put the Usos on SmackDown or something. But this just felt like we set this up without really much of an idea beyond see Paul Heyman and the Usos on Raw. Yeah, I expected a bit more of a story. Bobby Lashley staying on Raw and Sasha Banks staying on SmackDown. So uh, one move in the first round. I'm keeping that hair blue for another year. That's true. Yes, the hair got renewed. Damian Priest and Jeff Hardy for the United States Championship. Uh, Jeff Hardy came off the apron with this clothesline and dude crashed on the floor. Uh, Priest comes off the steps with a flying senton. Whisper in the wind by Jeff Hardy. The reckoning and twist of fate get blocked. And then Hardy hits the twist of fate, climbs to the top. The crowd is really into Jeff Hardy. Like from that pay-per-view to, you know, just last week and then tonight, very much behind Jeff Hardy. And he gets a big pop for the Swanton Bomb, but he hesitates after, uh, I guess, hurting his back upon hitting the Swanton, but then goes for the cover and he gets countered with a crucifix and Damian Priest pins him in 652. Jeff Hardy is all frustrated, but Priest thanks him, shakes his hand, and uh, you know, short seven-minute match, half of it was in a commercial. It was an interesting finish because it was one that put all the focus on Jeff Hardy and made you really want to see Jeff Hardy win, you know, like going along with what I think they, this crowd has been wanting for for Jeff Hardy ever since the pay-per-view. Uh, it was almost a finish that kind of made you disappointed that Damien Priest held on to the belt. And I don't exactly know if that's the intended um, reaction for Damien Priest, but we can understand why they decided to put that focus on Jeff Hardy with the post-match angle here. Yeah, so of course... Just just like you always see. Uh, we have the interviewer rush to interview the loser, not the winner. And Sarah Schreiber reminds Jeff Hardy what a disappointing outcome this was. And you're going to SmackDown. Hardy loves all of you people. I've been to the highest of highs and I've crashed back down to earth. On SmackDown, it's time for you to see a different side of Jeff Hardy. A different ego. But... I'm still around here on Raw for a few weeks, so you're going to have to wait for this new me and my new ego because it doesn't go into effect until October 22nd. Austin Theory comes out. So hold on. Is that is that like his different character? What am I thinking about? Like, didn't he do something ego-related? Is this Willow? Oh, my God. I hope not. I really do not need to I mean, he's pretty much Willow. teasing, teasing a, a new character here, right? Well, they didn't draft Willow. They drafted Jeff Hardy, which, as we learned with Finn Balor, they got two people with one with that pick. Um, you did, yeah. Maybe you you have a, to draft the IP as well. Maybe it's – well, I think he owns Willow. Does he not? He he came in with that. That was but his the Omega SmackDown. Thing. He's got to license it. Oh, okay. Well, I'm sure he's he'll be willing to do that. But, um, I mean, it just seemed like Hardy teasing, you know, some some sort of change uh, uh, or metamorphosis of, of some sort. So they seem to actually be putting some value in stock into Jeff Hardy in this move. Yes, they're they're coming off that great Roman Reigns, Finn Balor ending that we need to have another supernatural babyface for Roman Reigns to face off with. And maybe Jeff Hardy is their best bet. Maybe. Then Austin Theory is out and he's playing super fan. He interrupts Jeff, calls him a legend. I grew up watching you. You inspired me. Can I have a selfie? And dude, he was just so cringeworthy, but it was he was fantastic, I thought, in this this role he was playing. 
He goes for the selfie and then he attacks Jeff, lifts him up, hits him with the ATL and then takes another selfie with Jeff Hardy down on the mat. And he actually posted these photos. Dude, these were like good, good photos he took. Like they were in focus. He had like got the faces in the in the shot properly on live television, no less. Uh, I thought Austin Theory did really well here. And I'm just interested to see how they like in the past, like they they have this in their mind that this is like leaving a territory, except you're going from one territory that's on national television to the other territory on national television. But in their minds, it's like, well, what happens here doesn't count there. And it's almost like they're just going to have Austin Theory beat this guy because he's getting the reset going to SmackDown in a couple of weeks, because for sure you have to imagine we're going to do this match on TV. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's, um, it's, it's curious thinking and, and oftentimes probably flawed, but I do think like when people jump brands, they do have sort of like a renewed sense, you know, it's the beginning of a new storyline for them. And I think the audience does accept you know, when people, even if they've, they're they coming from a losing streak, when they show up on a new show and if they're suddenly winning, I think they they do accept that. So, uh, but as far as the segment goes, I totally agree with you. I'm not the biggest fan of Austin Theory, but I thought this was a great re-debut that is, was certainly far better than the first time he debuted on the main roster. Now he actually has a character. I think his time in NXT has really shown him that, hey, I've got something good going with this sort of like, um, I don't know, like frat boy like dork idiot type of type of character and that's what he came in playing you think he's a dork but then he actually turns on jeff hardy i thought it was really well done and kind of like you know um kept you guessing and i think perfectly set up this little program to kick him off on raw yeah i mean it was as good an introduction as you were going to give for him Kevin Patrick was with Riddle and Orton. They're going to defend the titles against AJ and Omos at Crown Jewel. Riddle asks Randy if he has a snake in his pocket or he's just as happy as he is. And Orton's just got to play off this idiot that he's he's reluctantly just accepted now. Orton makes a proposition to face Omos one-on-one tonight, and Riddle's jaw drops. Thinking there's there's no way they can have a singles match. Yeah, so we, they would Riddle. tease this for, throughout the whole show. Uh, this match, yeah, this giant match, I guess so. Yeah, sure. The second round. Did you, by what round were you starting to just, man, my eyes were just rolling from every announcement of a pick was preceded by their ridiculous nickname, half of which I have no idea who they're talking about. Like, the architect of infliction, the visionary of drip. It's like what these fucking names. Like I'm not, I'm not counter arguing that these are the names that they have been given. But goddamn, every single person has one, and I don't know any of them. Yeah, I, I imagine they're all just in this big rolodex um, within the company. You know, that's that's attached to their big computer in the back. Um, I, maybe on WWE.com and their previews is wh- where they use them every single time. Um, no sane person, I think, w- would commonly, you know, refer to to any of these names. But it's it's the destructive delicacy <laughs> coming to Raw. Yeah, uh, alliteration. <laughs> it's the sign of success, I suppose, or it's the sign that you have been called up to the main roster. You have a a, a an alliter- literal literative nickname. 
Um, but I actually skipped a lot of these, and I just went. To, I would just go to the graphic at the end, you know, just to tell me because I I was watching on delay. Well, the visionary of Drip is going to Raw, so uh, a, a lot of couples uh, kept together or or put back together uh, on this draft. Uh, so Rollins is moving to Raw. King Nakamura and Rick Boogs stay on SmackDown. Uh, Damian Priest staying on Raw as the announcers say. Everyone can breathe a sigh of relief. And this is where we go to Damian Priest nodding to nobody just in the in the locker room by himself. Um, so there you go. Yeah, everyone breathe a sigh of relief that we retained our champion in the second round with the eighth overall pick. That's how this United States title was uh, just held on with the uh, the grip of the the greatness of grip. <laughs> Yes. For the Archer of Infamy. And Sheamus going to SmackDown. Yeah, I mean, Sheamus really seems to have, you know, exhausted some of these uh, Damian Priest or, um, uh, I don't know, Humberto Carrillo types of feud. So he can go on SmackDown. Well, Smackdown. Humberto and Drew McIntyre, they're they're over there on SmackDown now. Oh, so never mind. He can, re- he can revisit <laughs> all of them. <laughs> Jeff Hardy's back on SmackDown. <laughs> he can literally do all of his last year and a half of programs over on SmackDown now. It is true, but I guess I see him more in, you know, continuing in this sort of uh, IC level range. So maybe a Nakamura feud coming up. Yeah, yeah, that could work. I'm curious on a Sheamus just because it's, you know, it is a the shorter show. You've got a dominant heel over there. And Sheamus has been somebody that I think has been a big plus on Raw. And yeah, I think Nakamura, that's that's actually like a really good pairing, I think, for, for him to go over there. And it's a good opponent for Nakamura. and. Seamus has someone in Rick Boogs that he can emulate. Yes, absolutely. Shayna Baszler comes out and takes on Dana Brooke. And Corey Graves says that Dana Brooke has not accomplished anything during her five years on the main roster. And it's potential that has not been realized. So you think, okay, Dana's got to come up with a huge win here. Baszler attacked her, used an armbar and submitted her in a minute 20. Graves says, I hate being right. And Jimmy Smith says, yep, Dana was overmatched. <laughs> and Baszler goes to destroy her arm further when Dewdrop comes to the rescue, helping Dana. Shayna attacks her from behind, but Dewdrop is unaffected. They have an awkward stare down. And then uh, Shayna Baszler could tell, you know what? I'm not even going to waste my time because I bet I'm getting drafted to another show. But before she goes, I guess they'll do this match. Yeah, I guess so. Do drop in Shayna Baszler. All right. Um, and no I, mention of Eva Marie. Um, she, or, or Naya, I guess, for that matter. They've just kind of eliminated them with the uh, the arm injuries. Yeah, they're injured and probably uh, contracts frozen uh, for the time being. But Naya, Naya was drafted to Raw on the the picks over the weekend. Um, I think Eva Marie is still on Raw, too. Oh, okay, then. So there you go. They're just kind of there. Yeah, really, uh, the match itself was... Uh, nothing overly dramatic. I mean, really simply continued Shayna's push, and I think a good one. And I'm at least grateful that two years Dana later... Dana or Shayna? Shayna. Okay, I thought you said Dana. Was... Oh, I'm sorry. Well, I'm glad that two years later, you know, Vince is finally pushing Shayna Baszler as the same character she was in NXT. So, um, it's a good sign. The Usos are with Heyman. Kevin Patrick interviews them, and acknowledges that it was his influence that kept the Usos on SmackDown. He is also the warden of the Uso Penitentiary. 
And Kevin asks if that was how you were able to keep Brock Lesnar as a free agent. And the Usos look upset and they leave Heyman, who is very distraught. And that was it. That was all of our Usos Heyman involvement on Raw. Mansoor and Mustafa Ali against Umberto Carrillo and Angel Garza. Corey Graves asked Byron, are you mentally prepared to eventually have to call Umberto or Angel stepdad? As these wow. two are, I guess, are going to like go for Byron's mom. It's weird. Interesting. It's, okay. It's a really weird line. Ali did a rolling somersault right into Garza's fist. Mansoor got clotheslined to the floor. Ali was sent into the corner. Carrillo bashed his head into the post without the ref seeing it, allowing Angel to pin Ali in a minute 44. Um, I was going to say none of this matters because uh, Mansoor and Ali are going to SmackDown. Both these teams are going to SmackDown. So we can just keep continue this verbatim on another night. You're right. I mean, at some parts, it really feels like everybody's just swapping over to the other show. So, yeah, this might as well continue. I mean, they're only two in on, in their best of 10. So you got to keep this going at least for another, I don't know, eight. Yeah, th- this was a night of, uh, aside from the main event, very short matches. The, for, this is going to be the case. This was the case last week. I mean, it's the type of show that they do. I think that's going to be your, yeah, your formula is start with the big segment, build to a main event. Those are your your priority segments and your crossovers, but the matches in between are going to be, I mean, here we had like a minute 20, minute 44, four minutes, 224 before the main event. So very short stuff. AJ Styles and Omos staying on Raw. Shayna Baszler goes to SmackDown. Kevin Owens, who has been on every brand a hundred times, is going back to Raw. And Zia Lee gets the call up moving to SmackDown. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm... I'm curious to see how they'll push Zia Lee. I mean, um, she definitely has like you know de- completed a look. She looks competent, I suppose, doing the, her types of shorter matches in the ring. But you know, something longer, I I I find she's still somewhat untested. And without Mei Ying, I I it, it kind of takes away from it, so I, I I wonder how they're going to promote her, uh, you know, how much speaking she'll be doing. But, um, you know, quite clearly she's been in that system for a long time. She's the certainly by far the only real prospect, in my opinion, that they have to cater towards the Chinese market. So this is um this will be big for them. I'm sure she'll be a a big ambassador for them over there. Yeah, I mean. In theory, I, I think that like Zia Lee and Shayna Baszler being on the same brand together, you could do something interesting there, but I do not know what my optimism is of that being anything. But man, uh, no I, don't know. I mean, a lot of it is storytelling, you know, more so than match quality itself. And, and if they decide to push her and make her a star, as long as she can perform, um, there are enough bells and whistles to make it work. I, I think Zia Lee will get like a significant push out of the gate. To at least oh, yeah, sink course. or swim, for sure. I mean, that's a reason she's being called up. Big E comes out and he says that for the second straight year, Kofi and Xavier have been drafted to another brand, which <laughs> it's kind of amazing. Doesn't that line just kind of give out everything you need to know about the draft? A year ago, we were drafted to different brands. And this year, we were drafted to different brands. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So... He, during the last week, he also made Lashley fall to his knees. I am the rightful WWE champion. 
but then faced a new challenge with Drew McIntyre, an actual and literal swordsman. So he calls out Drew. Drew comes out and the ultimate dad joke. Nashville, it's a Drew day. Yes, it is. This is something that I would be exceptionally proud of if I came up with it for our show title. But I would never say on national television if I was the top babyface on any of these programs. Well, Drew said a lot worse over the past year. You know, at least he's not telling us history lessons of, I don't know, Nashville heritage or something. So this He's got quite a history in Nashville. Yes, he does. You're right. Let's do, let's do a few people on this, on this show tonight. Mm-hmm. He's got unfinished business on Raw. He got screwed by Lashley and MVP, and he had been waiting for someone to liberate the title, and Big E did that. You deserve to be champion, and Drew congratulates him while shaking his hand, but then makes the challenge. Ziggler and Rude interrupt. Why? I have no idea, but they're here on Raw tonight. Ziggler wants to be thanked by Big E and throws us to the footage from 2013, a very young Big E with Dolph Ziggler. Um, tremendous editing. Whoever put this together because there was no sign of AJ Lee in any of this, uh, of these highlights. Like, not, not one shot of her. Ziggler takes credit for the New Day, for his Money in the Bank win, and then says Xavier Woods may not have even been born without Dolph Ziggler. Hmm. Which is a hell of an accomplishment. Um, Man wouldn't have been born without you. I'll have to ask uh, Mrs. Woods. Ziggler then turns his attention to Drew McIntyre, whose career he also rescued when he brought him back to Raw in 2018. And we got more footage of this. And says, all I want is a thank you. It's like, you know what? The guy's brought up some decent points here. He was like... was not obligated to bring these guys in, and they did. They've they've gone to great, great heights. But then says that Drew rode his coattails. And Drew makes fun of Bobby Roode, saying, you've really upgraded, haven't you, as he looks down at the man he beat for the NXT championship. Bobby Roode comes back and says, I put the body in bodyguard, and around here, they call me Big Bob. <laughs> Dude, Bobby Roode has been waiting for a microphone for probably years to get some line in here. This big Bob, Corey Graves was going into overtime trying to get this thing over. Um, Dolph says he is the one who determines who goes to stardom. And probably half the women's roster perked up when they heard this. <laughs> big E says that they owe him an ass whooping and challenges them to a tag match. Big E and Big D. <laughs> We got like, BDE here. <laughs> oh, you're right. Yeah. I like um dad joke, Drew McIntyre. Big E and Big D, yes. Yeah, some good lines in this. I like this segment. I thought that like they, they drew on some history that's totally legit. And they had like th- this wasn't just like a tag match that was like completely thrown together. They actually had some story behind it. There were some funny lines, and I I like these four together. I thought this was like a fine setup for this match. Yeah, me too. Um, he had video evidence, and that always goes a long way with fans like us. Mm-hmm. So Big E and Drew McIntyre, Big E and Big D versus Ziggler and Big Bob. Um, Corey Graves was calling them all by their big monikers uh, throughout this. And so we, we saw a ton of belly-to-bellies in this match 
primarily by Drew McIntyre to Ziggler. Uh, there's a big ending and a jumping DDT that are avoided. Uh, Bobby Roode made a save. Big E then runs into Bobby Roode's knee as he goes to the spear off the apron into a zigzag, but Drew makes the save. Uh, Big E sidesteps a super kick, clothesline, and he's setting up for the big ending when Drew tags himself in, does the countdown, Claymore, and he's the one that gets the pin, showing up Big E, and we had to do the requisite baby face. Uh, I got you. Uh, yeah. What were you doing that for? You got me. Awkward grinning. And then there's a big ending to Rude. Drew passes him the title while holding on to it. And the match gets set for Crown Jewel. And the announcers hope that this match gets made official. I think it'll be official for Crown <laughs> Jewel with Big E and Drew McIntyre. But on the whole, uh, good segment and fine match for the, uh, the time that they had. Yeah, it was totally fine. I think completely within their playbook of how they built their babyface versus babyface matches. You know, they are un- put them in an unwilling tag team match where they'll kick the asses of some random tag team, usually involving Dolph Ziggler, and push the match for the pay-per-view. So this was about as cookie-cutter and as fine, effective, perhaps, you could say, you know, of a babyface, babyface build as you usually get on Raw. This is where Big E one-ups Drew. And he gets on the microphone. He says, hey, McIntyre, you know the real reason you're no longer champion? You couldn't. You didn't Drew. <laughs> huh. Okay. Moving on. Reggie's in the back. <laughs> he runs into Adam Pierce. Said, you want to speak with me? Nope. Of course not. I'm Reggie. He got bad info. He turns around. There are the Viking Raiders. They're just counting down till their exit. All the 24-7 geeks go after him. He flips over all this equipment. There's like this construction truck. He avoids everyone. Apollo Crews and Commander Aziz show up. And Crews tells Aziz, I told you it'd be exciting being here on Raw. Why are they here? They're three weeks early. Well, I mean, I uh, I guess like... Is this like the- open house before you start school? I guess so. I think so. Maybe. I mean, maybe they, they're, they're just getting a tour. Of the of the venue of the of the set of Nashville, yeah, yeah. They're like, Raw's not going to be here most weeks, but this is what the backstage setup is like. It's a lot like SmackDown, but it's red. I think it, it, you know it's probably just open season right now. Anybody can show up to the other show, no restrictions. On honest question though, what do you think about having Omos and Commander Aziz on the same show? Like they fulfill very similar roles and. Now you've you've got one that's like the big monster, and Commander Aziz is now on the show too. Yeah, I mean, I think Omos is you know on, on a bit more of a fast track than Aziz is, and I can see Omos. I mean, he's already having singles matches, so I think the AJ pairing might be coming to an end probably you know sooner than certainly Aziz and, and what is it Cruz. So I I don't think it's something they worry too much about. Kevin Owens comes out. And this is where they take their time out to plug the Miz on Dancing with the Stars. Please vote for him. And they show Hardy, not Jeff, the singer, chugging a Bud Light in the front row. And Kevin Owens is, this was unbelievable. He's standing in the ring and there's this Kevin Owens chant like erupting in the arena. It is stopped by Akira Tozawa who comes out. He comes out and he tells Kevin Owens, I want to face Reggie for the 24-7 title. Kevin Owens gives him a stunner. 
And once again, they remind us the changes take effect October 22nd. Kevin Owens is just sizing this place up. Mm-hmm. That was it. Yeah. Um, and then he got stunned. Yeah. That was a segment. Uh, yep. Um, I mean, uh, you know, Akira Tozawa comes over from Japan to America with, with dreams and maybe he's just grateful for a job right now, but God, it's just, it hurts. It hurts to see this man be in the position of a jobber doing this. This is a very offensive character that I don't think it's like, I think people just brush it off. Like it's very offensive. Uh, yeah, yeah, it is. Absolutely. It is. And I wonder if how he feels about it, you know, for all we know, okay, maybe he, maybe he came up with it just to appease, um, the people that he's working with, but God, it's, it's so incredibly outdated and any period, honestly, like in the seventies, it probably would have been outdated, but in 2021 playing a ninja, um, it's sad to see. I'm just amazed that he's still playing this character. Like this is like well, a year and look, a half of this. I, well, I can't air. believe he's been going this long with it. I mean, he consistently appears, appears in these 24 seven segments as, you know, another goofy idiot next to our truth. So he he does have a job. He he gets on TV, which is more than he was doing before when he was just a great wrestler. He gets more TV um, time than Ricochet. Yeah. So this this company can use a ninja. They can't necessarily use a great cruiserweight, unfortunately. The fourth round of the draft sees the Street Profits going back to Raw. The Viking Raiders are going to SmackDown. They go to their reaction shot. The two of them looking at one another, if looks could convey, the words spoken would have been, can't be any worse. Yeah, I guess so. And honestly, these guys will probably get like a program with the Usos at some point. Can't be worse on SmackDown than it is for them on Raw, because they have totally floundered. Finn Balor is coming to Raw. Dude, my head is spinning of like... like. Honestly, if you put a gun to my head, I would not be remembering what brand these people were, were on and such. But uh, that's it. Finn Balor, um, that was his, his ending, was at Extreme Rules, and now he's he's coming to Raw. Well, once you've already challenged Roman, I suppose, what more is there left for him to do? So Yeah, I mean, you had Owens, his opponent, he's gone. Uh, Balor, gone. Uh, Edge, gone. Mm-hmm. Brian Danielson uh, got drafted elsewhere. <laughs> He did, yeah. You lose to Roman, and then you're done. Like that's that's kind of how SmackDown works. I guess ultimately, that's really what the draft should be about: is just refreshing your your you know main event challengers for your champion. Uh, I mean, Biggie winning the belt and being the new leader really does freshen things up themselves. But at least you know if you're a Balor, you you have a direct path to the championship that's fresh. Well, and a man that I figure will get into the crosshairs of Roman Reigns at some television episode in the near future, Ricochet is going to SmackDown way. Hey, at least he'll be on the same show as Paul Heyman. You know, maybe Paul Heyman can put in a good word for him backstage. Uh, we'll, we'll see the uh, the plight of uh, Ricochet. It, again, can't be worse than where he's been slaughtered on, on Raw. Nikki and Rhea are in the back getting ready for their tag title defense. And Nikki is going to unleash BZK. Boom, zap, kapows. Yeah. 
Yeah, she actually said it on TV. Again, you know, like, this show can't use a great wrestler. This show needs ninjas and superheroes, and she's playing as as much of a superhero as she can uh, to the amusement of, of the people making this, this thing, and at, she's getting onto TV, so maybe she's the smartest one of us all. But we let's have to just bear, remember, though, tonight tonight's episode featured uh, the green light for Boom Zap Kapows, and also a dude saying shit in his promo as well, <laughs> as well as a man promising death in Saudi Arabia. So well, all of that is uh, part of tonight's promos. We got to cater to all the dem- demographics, okay? The uh, okay. the plus twos, and also um, <laughs> I don't know the people that love hearing shit and killing in their promos <laughs> over 50 they love death they love death yeah. <laughs> maybe they're the boom zap kapow fans you know yeah the boomers zaps the boomers and there you go yes nikki ash and rhea ripley against natalia and tamina uh this is great because N- natalia was all in red and tamina was all in blue yet it was natalia who ended up on smackdown and tamina ended up on raw do you honestly think they knew no prior to this match um, to that I, I won't say 100%, but I, I don't think that their outfits were by uh, – it was any kind of strategy. I think it was just pure coincidence. Probably. So they got the advantage on Nikki. Natalia went for the sharpshooter, and Nikki countered with the inside cradle, which the announcers pointed out is how they won the titles. But this time, Natalia kicked out. Ripley's in. Northern Lights. Tamina saves. She head-kicked Tamina. Uh, allowing Nikki to hit a high cross to both on the floor. And then she hits Tamina with the riptide, tags Nikki, and they went for this simple spot of just Nikki getting onto Rhea's shoulders. This proved to be a task. She finally got onto the shoulders and then came down for a splash off the shoulders and pinned Tamina in 4 minutes and 12 seconds to retain the tag titles, and this was the swan song for Natalia and Tamina as a team. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know if they fully... You know, I, I was going to say, I don't know if they fully reached their potential because you come off of that WrestleMania and that great reaction to Tamina that the, that existed just this past um, um, WrestleMania, and I think they were attempting to do a bit of a babyface run, but didn't really ultimately fit into their plans. And they just kind of became heels all of a sudden against like Mandy Rose and Dana for no reason. And just kind of played your default, you know, heel mm, dominant champions for a time without any real personality or real storyline. And ultimately we're just there to keep the belt warm, I suppose for, for super brutality. Um, so <laughs> it was something for Natty and Tamina. Um, now that they're split up, I still wouldn't have split them up. I mean, they're an established team. You know, do we really see, um, um, I don't know, more be- beneficial singles runs for the both of them. Maybe they had plans, you know, but I don't necessarily see either one being like strong contenders uh, and, and instead maybe just bodies, you know, in that division for the the actual contenders to defeat. I think that's more likely with the two split up at this point. Like the team had like um, like a, it it was like a fine team in a, in a division that needed teams. Uh, I think these two, it's for their own uh, trajectory was better together than split. Um We'll see, but they do have a lot of new women that they have to establish. You know, yeah, you got you got I mean, Aaliyah, I, you got you got uh, Zia Lee, you've you know Liv Morgan, I'm sure. Um, yeah, but that's on the other show. So, yeah. 
They recapped Lashley's attack on Gage Goldberg at SummerSlam. And then we go into the fifth round. Karrion Cross. he's staying on Raw. Um, Umberto Carrillo and Angel Garza going to SmackDown. Alexa Bliss staying on Raw. This was funny because Byron says, it's been quite some time since we saw Alexa Bliss. And Corey immediately pipes in. It's been a week, Byron. (laughs) Well, that's, to some people, it's a long time. And Cesaro. Do you remember this guy? He's on SmackDown. Mm. He's going to stay on SmackDown. Mm, okay. Back with Sheamus. Maybe the bar will reunite. Sure. Yeah. After uh, after he became a star at WrestleMania this year uh, with Seth Rollins, Cesaro. Yeah, yeah. That was a bit short-lived. But, I mean, honestly, like, in this system, I feel like they ran as far as they would have with, with a guy like Cesaro. Bill Goldberg comes out. He says, it was intentional what Bobby Lashley did to my son, and I invite Lashley to come out so I can intentionally break your neck. Lashley comes out. He calls it a misunderstanding. I am not going to come down there and ruin my custom suit by whooping you again. And points out that Bill still dresses like it's 1998. I wish, I wish Bill had a FUBU jersey on. He calls this, uh, this, these accusations of what he did to Gage character assassination. And what he has said about uh, trying to hurt his son, it's not true. He's willing to give Goldberg the match at Crown Jewel as long as it's no holds barred. And he mentions you can bring your son along too. Bill gets on his knees. Thank you. Because it gives me a license to kill. That was the actual term used as we are building up the Saudi Arabia card. He has a license to kill. He said that uh, he's crazy and I will apologize to your kids after I leave your lifeless body, Bobby, in the ring gasping for air. You're next and you're dead. Yeah, they're really like going in with this killing thing for Goldberg. I mean, you know, just one threat within the promo on um, last week's show, I thought was, okay, yeah, this is kind of cool. Now it's like, it seems to be the, like sort of the defining trait of his character is that he will threaten to kill you. And of course, the coincidence of of this being uh, the Saudi Arabia show, it only makes for a lot of great unintentional comedy. Um, But they they seem to you know be allowed to say shit now in promos or at least certain guys get the okay to say shit and in Bill Goldberg's case he's allowed to threaten to murder. It's kind of funny when you always hear the story of like when worlds collide. It was like you know such a such an incredible pay per view, and with all that great talent on the show, the guy get, that gets signed is Louis Spicoli, Madonna's boyfriend. Who I mean he was a fine talent. But you watch that show. It's like you come away watching that show and that's your conclusion. And I just imagine sitting through an episode of Dynamite and your conclusion is, oh, well, they can swear. Mm-hmm. That's that's yeah. that's what we're missing. They can swear. Yeah. That's the difference. So anyway, and kill. They can threaten to kill. So Bill Goldberg and Bobby Lashley will fight to the death in Saudi Arabia at Crown Jewel. And it looks like, based on how this was set up, that Gage is going to be part of this. He's making the trip to Saudi Arabia. 
Yeah. Will Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin have to sell for Gage? Oh, I will probably get a Gage spear, don't you think, on one of the two? I could Cedric, see that happening. Likely. I could see Cedric taking the, the spear. Yeah. Yeah, perhaps. Then Kevin Patrick interviewed Seth Rollins, who comes in. He's like quoting Eminem as he starts singing. Kevin Patrick wants to ask him about Edge, but Rollins won't let him say his name, stating, I will handle that on SmackDown. <laughs> Both men are on Raw now, but this feud will be handled on SmackDown for the time being. If you can keep your that if you can keep all of this in order. And says, I don't give a shit who steps up to me because I'm on another level. Yeah. He's uh he's Will Osprey. Attitude. Yeah. Said shit. How how edgy. Um Kofi Kingston and Xavier Woods against Cedric Alexander and Shelton Benjamin wearing their Hurt Business gear. They just have not replaced it. Smart. Yeah, of course. How else would you tell people that you're a part of the faction? So (laughs) this is, oh, I totally skipped over the end of that Goldberg segment because Alexander and Benjamin jump Goldberg from behind and Goldberg beats the piss out of them, including a spear to Shelton. We do this Rollins promo, and then they're in this match with Kofi and Xavier Woods, and not even, like, Benjamin is in control at the beginning of this match off of, uh, with, with Kingston. So, remarkable recovery from this spear. Match did not go long. Woods got the tag, elbow drop, pin Cedric, and then he starts screaming, crown me, crown me, hail King Woods. And Xavier and Kofi win in 224. The Street Profits came out to plug the Netflix Escape the Undertaker film, and then they drank with Kofi and danced. Yeah, obviously, you know, Woods has been campaigning really hard for a long, long time now to be the king of the ring, and I imagine him getting the victory here and him saying to the camera, crown me, is their acknowledgement that he is maybe a leading babyface candidate, which also makes him, I think, a perfect choice to lose um in the first round or the heat the heat or in saudi arabia like i mean i don't know if they would make woods win the king of the ring in saudi arabia i i see like if mansoor is is in that tournament i see maybe mansoor is a leading candidate i also don't know if i see um heel necessarily winning the king of the ring although i mean why why not anybody can win but I all, I almost for certain don't see it being Xavier Woods because I just I think they they look at a situation like this and think, oh, it's way too predictable if we have this baby face, you know, talking about King of the Ring and he actually wins it. Not to mention, like, I don't know if they have bigger plans for Woods, you know, um, instead of like somebody that they would actually uh, potentially push as a world champion taking that spot. They've also not, that, done- not that Mansoor is that guy either, but, it, you know, being in Saudi Arabia, it's a bit different. But they also have done quite a lot with Mansoor to prime him for this as well. So, I mean, it's time to pay that <laughs> off. All this, all this work that they've done now that uh, the show has crept up on them. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I, – I, sometimes I wonder if he'll even be on that show. Like his, his status is relatively low on, on Raw. It makes all the sense in the world to put him in this tournament uh, and, and put him towards the end. Um, and then the yeah, ultimate maybe. heat, he loses in Saudi Arabia. Oh, that too. Well, I don't think they'll do that. I don't think like, so either. Yeah, I don't think that's the only that place where the babyface wins is Saudi Arabia, in his hometown. 
The Street Profits, uh, yeah, they came out, so they're back on Raw, but really on October 22nd. There's a video for Finn Balor. So in the time that he was drafted, they put together this remarkable video. He says, <laughs> he's talking about the demon. My demon has no fear except of heights from the top rope. <laughs> that, I'm freaked the fuck out. He's coming to Raw, and Jimmy Smith calls it a two-for-one deal as Raw gets both Finn Balor and the Demon. So what a what a steal! So we we're never gonna find out who how, why the rope broke, like or who broke the rope. They've got three weeks way to rectify that story and give us a conclusion. <laughs> but unless it was show, uh, I don't know. If it was uh, who the culprit was that cut those ropes, uh, nor am I holding my breath waiting for it either. But that's a major gap if they do not explain that. I totally like forgot that we already passed an edition of SmackDown where, I mean, that to me was the first question that they should have answered coming off of um, Extreme Rules. But here we are, you know, Balor's moving on. Um, and be honest, did you see anybody questioning that after smackdown like i think it's just it's yeah. it's a gift if you get an explanation for it but oh, it's expected that it will just be oh because the ropes broke of course yeah. they needed to get out of the match that's the reason mm-hmm. Ugh, crazy orton and riddle come out he's ready for omos didn't hear a challenge and asks are you aj's personal colossus or just a big bitch come out here let's get this shit on AJ comes out, he calls Riddle Gilligan, and then has to explain, I'm calling him Gilligan because he calls me Skipper. It's pretty funny. And then he's like, it doesn't matter. Omos would destroy Randy. And AJ says Riddle doesn't even have brain cells left to stop them from taking the tag titles at Crown Jewel. AJ says, I'm happy we've all been drafted to Raw. Yes, we're all on the show. We've still we've been on this whole time. And he's going to bring an end to this asinine team of RK Bro. Omos goes to speak, but Orton attacks AJ. It leads to a standoff with Orton and Omos. And then Randy ducks Omos, RKO's AJ, and they exit. And they applaud the strategy of RK Bro to outsmart Omos and AJ. A.K.A. Skipper. Yeah. So what do you think? Uh, tag match or Crown Jewel? They've announced it already. Yeah. Oh, they have. Okay. Yeah. And then do we still get Omos and Orton at some point? Oh, at some point they'll feel... Uh, they, they obviously saw enough value to dangle this throughout the whole show with the idea this would be enticing. Um, yeah, probably at some point. That's That's an ambitious match, but I think they're getting more ambitious with Omos each week doesn't have to be long. It does not need to be long. It should not be long. Which takes us to the sixth and final round of the TV portion. Uh, and probably the most interesting one. Carmella goes to Raw. Corey Graves was ecstatic. Ridge Holland goes to SmackDown. Not surprised that Ridge Holland was chosen. Mildly surprised that it is Ridge Holland as a solo act going to SmackDown. And uh, Pete is done with Ridge. Yeah, I I I wasn't all that surprised honestly. Like we know there's a height requirement to get on this ride called the main roster and uh Pete Dunn I just don't see doing much, you know, if he does get the call up besides being a manager for Ridge Holland, which would be so criminal. 
Uh, and I don't think he'd, he'd even be that I, I thought, honestly, that would be like, he'd be brought up. And the problem is, Dunn is not a great promo. Yeah. And, like, you don't even have that. But, yeah, this is, like, Ridge Holland, this is, um, yeah, this is a real uh, ambitious one to throw him onto SmackDown. But, I mean, he has the attributes they are they are looking for. And, I mean, it just, it's very clear, like, what they see when you look at that NXT roster. And this is one of the names that they pluck. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um there are a lot of guys that are, are relatively inexperienced that are going to be called up to the main roster ahead of, you know, your veterans because of, of their size. And I think it, it points to a continued change in philosophy with what NXT is. It's not necessarily something there that's to give people reps. Like, I don't exactly know what it is for. I mean, maybe to give like the very, very brand new talent reps, but even as you'll see with our next call up, it's not, you know, if you have a big enough name, if you have some recognition, if they think you are somewhat competent on camera, and if you're of a certain size, you're going to get called up right away. I'll say, though, you look at Ridge Holland, like he does not have a gimmick attached to him. And I'm just waiting. Like they, they are very much heavy on finding. Happy, happy Corbin needs more people. Like, can he laugh? How good is his laugh? You know? Um, Hysteria Holland. Um, Happy Holland. Perfect. Got the alliteration right there. The next pick is Raw selecting Olympic gold medalist Gable Stevenson. Yeah, talk about learning on the job. I mean, here you go. It's also a move, though, that I don't... Listen, like if I, if my interest was in him having great matches and like impressing that demographic, then I do think this is a bad move. But if I'm WWE and if I'm Vince McMahon and I'm just looking at what's the maximum value we can get out of this guy who just won an Olympic gold medal, you know, he is fresh out of the Olympics. He is a mainstream act, uh, or at least he has some main, mainstream recognition that we can use. Um, if he's going to learn on the job in NXT, why not? have him learn on the job here. It's not what necessarily I would do again. If my interest was to, you know, put match quality first or maybe even put promo quality first, but I think they feel like their machine will be able to guide him along in the same way. I mean, let's be honest. There are people that are even less competent and less certainly physically than a, a Gable Stevenson, you know, that they've shoved on, shoved onto TV with you know, somewhat okay success. So I think they feel confident enough that, Hey, this guy, his time is right now. Well, and and Stevenson is going to be like he's still doing his his final year um, uh, wrestling in college, so he's I, I don't even know how much of a presence he's going to have on Raw for some time, which is tough because as you mentioned, like the the appeal of winning a gold medal, like it's it's fleeting, like it's the immediate capitalization of that. I just look at him as someone like if you are looking at a long career in this industry maybe he is maybe he's not um you know they they want to capitalize on the the star potential that he has now that he might not have 18 months from now so you're going to be rushing him at the same time like this is someone that is learning from scratch he's still doing another year of amateur wrestling and i think that's going to be very difficult to be trying to learn one while still competing at a very high level for for the other so I mean, he's going to be the ultimate project that is going to take place over the next uh, couple of years while he's under contract to them. And and he'll be on the same show as Chad Gable. 
Uh, that's right. Gable's on Raw now. You can join yeah. the Gable Academy, or what? What is it called? Alpha Academy. Oh, could you imagine? That would be that would be such an indictment of blowing it. He'll be destroying Chad Gable in like his first match or something. Yeah. How long will will Chad be? Will he be Chad? Does he need a new name? Chad Fable. Chad Fable. You're right. He's gonna have to change his name. I mean, he already has one. Are we forgetting Shorty G? Big oh, G, <laughs> Big G, Shorty G. There you go. Um, yeah. And then the last pick, I thought this was actually really funny to do. Sami Zayn as the last pick on SmackDown. Gives him some great promo material. Hey, where's this documentary? When are we get it, getting it? Is he still Oh, yeah. It? Yeah, remember that? Yeah. Yeah, that's going to air the same week. Lashley and MVP get their tag team turmoil uh, title match after winning. I, I think it's the new Holy Grail. It's the the new Tom McGee tape. Okay, so we've got the documentary, the tag title shot, the ropes breaking. Yeah, what tag Anything. title shot? What are you talking about? The shot. Remember that? Knocked? Remember the tag turmoil that they started at the beginning of the show, broke, and then did the last hour of the show, and Lashley and MVP won the right to get a tag title shot. This was like a month ago on Raw. I totally forget. They did a tag team turmoil that took up most of the show. Lashley and MVP won that night, and okay. they announced next week they'd get a tag title shot, but then they changed it, and they never got the title <laughs> shot. So it's just this lingering title shot. And, and of course, Shotzi and Knox, which isn't going to happen because they're, <laughs> they're They're already broken up. The, yeah. All those wins were a total waste. Yeah. Anyway, uh, they showed a video of Gable Steveson with his family reacting to the news. This was right out of like your NHL draft, senior, with, with the family at home. They didn't have his brother there. Who was also down in NXT? Thought maybe they'd give some FaceTime to Bobby Stevenson, but no. Well, he should win a gold medal first, then maybe he'll get called up right away. He's going to get the the actual development, you know. And it'll be interesting to see where where the two of them are at. But yeah, um, this guy's coming up first. And then the main event was Charlotte Flair, Bianca Belair. Becky is out for commentary. She recited this poem. Becky is really great on commentary, but I will say when she's on commentary, all my attention is on her. And it's not on the match. Like she is, like she just dominates. She has that that presence and personality, which I mean, it's a positive for her, uh, but to me, it was a negative for the match. Well, her goal is to be obnoxious, right? Her goal is to make make you despise her, and I think part of part of that is is by distracting you from the match itself. It's it's sort of a double edged sword, and ultimately, what what is the more important thing here? I, to me, it's the match, especially when when the match is the quality of something like this, or if it's Bianca Belair and Sasha Banks, which you know the commentary definitely worked as a detriment to. But I think for the overall show and the type of product that they're selling, it's ultimately to make you want to see Becky get her ass kicked. Yeah, second time ever match, huge marquee. Uh, Flair has her down on the floor. They go through a break. Charlotte went for the natural selection, but Bianca gets her head out of the way, they explained. Charlotte takes her by the braid, but forearm smash, gets her up for the KOD. Flair lands on her feet, hits a spear. There's this bad-looking spine buster delivered to Charlotte, and then a big boot sends Belair off the turnbuckle. Flair does her double moonsault, and then Belair stops the figure four, hits the KOD, but before she can get the pin... Becky gets up, pulls Bianca to the floor, and attacks her for the DQ after 13 minutes and 10 seconds. Belair gets sent into the steps, hit with the manhandle slam, and then Sasha Banks appears, laying out Becky and Belair, and 
ends the show by hitting the backstabber to Becky, and it is Sasha Banks standing strong. So Sasha is on SmackDown. Sasha's on SmackDown. Charlotte's on SmackDown. Smackdown. Becky Belair on Raw. Yes. Becky Belair Raw. Okay. So so over the past two episodes, we've had Bianca Belair basically have matches with two people she won't be seeing for quite some time. At least in you know, for after the next month is what I mean. So we got the Sasha match, we got the Charlotte match. Uh, and both of them are really excellent, honestly, or at least for the time that we got to see, you know, the athleticism was there. I thought the charisma was there. Of course, the setting really didn't provide much to, you know, make this memorable or significant at all. But as a preview of the type of pay-per-view match that these three could have with each other in the future, uh, it got me really excited for that. So it was a fun main event, but ultimately, you know, what, what this was here to do is to show you all the pieces of hey this is our women's division in both shows but more importantly to push this crown jewel three-way so yeah not much else in terms of wrestling on this show um it was really more of a show just you know to lay out the the final rosters of both of these shows so looking at the rosters um you know smackdown lost a lot of baby faces when now with the updated roster, like your top baby faces are Drew McIntyre, which is a big baby face that you can build things around, followed by like Jeff Hardy, uh, Kofi and Xavier, Nakamura, Cesaro, Ricochet. Um, it's not the deepest when it comes to baby faces on that side. Um, and then you've got like Roman and the Usos as your big heels, Sheamus, Corbin, Ridge Holland, who you figure is going to get a big push out of the gate, Zayn, um, so those are your big kind of baby faces and heels. Uh, but SmackDown in this whole uh, change, like they lost Finn Balor. They lost Edge. They lost uh, Rey Mysterio. They lost Kevin Owens. So that's a lot of baby faces going over to Raw. Um, yeah. Yeah. For the time being. I mean, but of course you can turn anybody. You can start to push anybody. You know, you can like things, things change pretty quickly. When when you have the need for it, Happy so, Holland, Happy Holland, yeah, biggest baby face. But I could see Jeff Hardy, you know, getting a, a push uh, because you're you're pretty kind of low. You'll on, have to, yeah, on baby faces. Um, you know, you have Drew, of course. Um, you have two Drews. You got Gulak and McIntyre. So, uh, big Drew, big D, and little D. There you go. <laughs> oh my but, God. But Drew will be there. Kofi seems to be destined as, you know, some sort of tag team guy right now. So unfortunately, maybe occasionally he'll be that guy. I'm curious to see what happens to Mason T-Bar. You know, breaking those two up seem to be That's right. uh, done on purpose. Do they have plans for Mace? I mean, shit, like, I, I, if they do, I certainly haven't seen it up until this point. So uh, who else we got here that the potential baby face? I mean, if I'm Ricochet, this is definitely, there's it can't some be potential. Worse. Yeah. 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 There's some potential for you to take a step up. You're out of the 24 7, the show with the 24 7 belt, which is anybody who, like the Viking Raiders, have to be so thankful. Ricochet has to be so thankful for that. A Ricochet Sami Zayn feud, sign me right up. That sounds perfect. Uh, where they're at. Another interesting thing is uh, the women's division on SmackDown, um, very healthy when it comes to heels. You've got Charlotte. Sasha Banks, which I guess you could almost flip her coming out of this program. Mm-hmm. Uh, Shayna Baszler, and then you've got um, Natalia, Tamina, or sorry, just uh, just Natalia, not Tamina. But the Naomi? baby face, Naomi. 
Well, uh, th- these were the heels, the baby oh, faces. Oh, sorry. Okay. Baby faces like Naomi. Like this is what you've got. You've got Naomi, Tony Storm, uh, Shotzi, and I would say Zia Lee probably slots into a really strong role right out of the gate because on the babyface side, unless you turn Sasha, um, there there isn't a whole lot of babyfaces to feud with Charlotte or Shayna Baszler even. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah. They could they could do that with Zia Lee. I'd be curious to, to know what sort of character she they have for her at all, but um. I think that's enough, you know. Ultimately, it's to me, yeah. You definitely turn Sasha at this point, um, and I, or maybe you base it around Naomi. I think they have big plans for her. I think her. Naomi and Tony Storm and Zia Lee, like you could really get behind those three, um, and they could, they, and as well, like we'll see with Shotzi if they kind of give her like a renewed push now, splitting her up with uh, Tegan Knox. It's also a big step up, I think, for um, uh, uh, who am I thinking about? Um. Sorry, I just kind of lost it. But Shayna, Shayna Baszler, you know, like stepping away from the Naya feud, and clearly she's already been pushed, up, given a major push. That's right, they're on Raw. separate shows, so you can't really even go back to that, in theory, when after that injury angle. No, this is uh, Shayna Baszler, I think, really finally being pushed the way she should have been pushed this entire time as this big monster threat. So I imagine if it's not Charlotte as the major heel, I mean, clearly it'll be Shayna. So I'm really happy for her if that comes to fruition. Um, And then we'll see who else they add, you know? Yeah. Uh, And just the last thing here is just the babyface side of Raw. Like, there's a lot of big names here when you look at all of them on paper from Big E... Uh, Edge, who, I mean, won't be there every week, but Damian Priest, who is obviously someone they're going very hard with. You still have Orton and Riddle, Finn Balor, who in theory is still a babyface, Rey Mysterio, uh, the biggest babyface of all, Dominic. Who Man, could... we, we haven't had AJ and Balor on the same show, I think, in, like, I don't know if we ever have, like, it it feels. It feels like they've always been sort of on, on opposite ends. Maybe we have, but I'm just forgetting. But at least, you know, there's there's a promise of that potential match. As long as AJ is is maybe not being presented as sort of this like incompetent partner to Omos, mm-hmm. I'm very curious to see how Ray is utilized on on Raw and what what his future is. Um, and you would think that they're going to continue this Dominic story, given that he was moved over as well. Oh man, I'm kind of nervous, honestly. Like I'm nervous for anybody under six feet tall on the same show that's on the 24 seven division. Oh, dude, that I would really be, am. That, that would be a tough, tragic. That would be a tough pill to swallow for many people if you ever saw Ray chasing after uh, Reggie. Well, hey, listen, he's elusive. The champion's elusive. Uh, you know, think about the story potential. All right. Well, that was the draft uh, with all the moves. You can find out all of the uh, all of the moves listed up at postwrestling.com. Great stuff from uh, Andrew Thompson tonight covering the draft and all of the uh, supplementary picks. But we move on over to forum.postwrestling.com. The poll tonight, Raw got a 4.42 out of 10. 4.42. Hey, we forgot about Hit Row. You know, Swerve is, is also a name that... Um, you know, I mean, I I think they'll be baby faces, actually. I think they have to be baby faces. I'm curious to see how they're kind of utilized. Like, is who gets pushed more? Will it be Swerve or will it be Top Dollar? Or do they pair them like as a team out of the gate? Are you going to see a singles act from any one of them, or do Top Dollar and Isaiah get 
just paired together as a team at the beginning. I mean, yeah. there's different ways you can go. Like, I would not be rushing to put uh, BFAB into matches immediately. But as a group, mm-hmm. they're going to be obviously much stronger than if they were just like individual parts. So, yeah, that's that's one where I think everybody is going to have um, a heightened sense of observation to see how they make this transition to the main roster because people have seen it work at the NXT level. So it's it's really a mark against the main roster if if they are watered down and it doesn't click on SmackDown. Mm-hmm. Do you want to start off with the feedback? Yeah, first of all, out of 10, you guys in the forum voted this show a 4.42 tonight. And we start off with MJ from NJ, who says, Flipped on the opening of Raw, and then the last few segments, he says, I'll give WWE this. Their top-tier women's division is stacked. Has it been mostly the same people for five years? Sure. But they definitely pack a bunch of superstars. Also enjoyed their pushing NXT 2.0. They pushed it more in the final hour than I remember in a long time. Is that the case, or have I just not watched Raw consistently for that long? Yeah, they've been airing like promos pretty consistently. Um, maybe more so since 2.0 launch, but yeah, I would say it's, it's been about the same. He says, while I will ha- praise the star power of the women's division, the minute they split up again after this run of mixing brains, the rest of the talent feels so far below Becky, Charlotte, and Bianca, and Sasha. After seeing them together, I really don't want to go back to other pairings again. Becky on the mic is brutal. She spends the entire time getting herself over, even when the match is peaking. I thought Charlotte and Bianca were great, but they were are burning through these pairings pretty quick, which leads me to believe we'll go back to a few months ago shortly. Glad I caught that opening and closing segment tonight. We'll go back to a few months ago shortly. Well, I'm not sure what you mean by that, but um, they are burning through these pairings because they're going to be on separate shows. Yeah, and they're trying to look at these as you know important matches that they can quickly burn through on, on TV over these next couple of weeks. Uh, Brian writes that these draft episodes only seem newsworthy when they make the most drastic moves or do NXT call-ups. I thought, I thought SmackDown had a big one with Hit Row and Raw tonight with the biggest being, being Gable Steveson. Sometimes these shows can have some fun matches too. I like the main event. Uh, Goldberg looking to commit murder in Saudi Arabia. I'll leave that one alone. He says about the crowd, they expressed audible disappointment on SmackDown when the New Day was separated again and audible disgust when Seth Rollins drank the Copeland family's orange juice direct from the container. And then tonight I heard New Day who chants when SmackDown drafted Ridge Holland. Funny. Yeah, a lot of these names that are being drafted, uh, Rich Holland getting like this profile, usually like they would save, like an Aaliyah, they saved for .com after the fact. But like a Rich Holland getting sort of that mention on on the air um, maybe tells you that they actually, you know, have big plans for him. Which, the I mean, they, they should make a big deal out of it. Like, I, like, why, if, if you don't see someone as being worthy of like, even being on the TV broadcast, then why even call them up? It's like you're already stating like you're already slotting them to the people that they're just you know the the after picks that don't really even make the tv show it's like if you're calling them up like put everything you've got behind them or don't bring them up the problem is like in in like Aliyah's case for instance i mean her profile was relatively small i would say in nxt you mm-hmm. know even zaya lee i felt was bigger than her so you do run more of the risk of people asking who who this is, like they probably did with Ridge Holland, but it give me at least gives us an indication of maybe where they slot them. 
Uh, we go up next to CB Northside, who says, I guess these new rosters are to take effect after Crown Jewel to allow them to build to feuds with people still in the same brand. Not a bad way to go. Seth Rollins' promo was just terrible. The Derp God character is not working. No conclusion of the home invasion angle. Plus, we already had a Drip God Johnny Drip Drip. I think you'll see the uh, home invasion stuff pick up, pick back up on SmackDown, uh, where Edge should be, I would assume. He says, I am so done with Woods at this point. He is annoying with the yelling all the time. Crown him? King of the Ring tournament has not started. I know it is a matter of time before we see the New Day crowned as tag champs beating the Usos. I feel the demon character is not done at this point, especially after how he lost at Extreme Rules. Supernatural characters are not working anymore. Draft freshens things up, but rest of the show is average. Six strips, six out of ten. Yeah, I don't think we see the demon for quite a while. Like, he's got to shelve that thing, you know, and let people forget about this match, at least for a year, in my opinion, because the reaction has not been strong. Uh, Though the video was all built around the demon tonight. Like, they almost pushed that more than Finn Balor. It kind of is the main appeal of his character, at least on the main roster. You know, like, Gone is sort of like, I don't know, whatever value he created for himself just as Finn Balor coming out of NXT. Um, I, I at least hope like I could see them like doing the demon relatively quickly again, just to rehab the demon, I suppose. <laughs> like how silly does that? You got to rehab the demon <laughs> coming um, off that sprained ankle from plunging off the top rope. Yeah, I guess I'm not sure, but yeah. What do you think of a uh, woods in, in this King of the ring stuff? I, I just definitely don't see them like, doing something simply because a, a a wrestler has campaigned for it online. Yeah, I, I don't... We'll see how serious this tournament is presented. If it's just going to have your punchline where it's like King Corbin, um, to me, it's like, if, if you're not going to take this winner and elevate them, it's just a comedy mid-card thing, then I don't even care. Then it doesn't even matter who you put it on. It's like, who can have the most clever promos with this King gimmick? It's just, I don't know how you get all that invested in it um yeah it's got to be nakamura well at least he's got a he's got to be he's already the king he's already got it well yeah he should at least have to defend it right how do you have multiple you can't have multiple kings um maybe it'll be a stable king stable okay Hmm. be like uh the four kings of boxing Mm. all right Kate writes, this was such a weird show the dirty dogs natty and tamina and the hurt business all performing but then Failing to get drafted, at least during Raw. They seemed to tease a feud with Shane and Dewdrop, despite them being drafted to different shows. Uh, they tried to convince us that Charlotte and Bianca had never fought before, even though their NXT match is available in its entirety for anyone to see on their YouTube channel. And they still have Bianca using the You Don't Even Go Here line, which she originally said to Charlotte when she showed up on NXT. At the same time, they had Dolph bringing up all sorts of history, which is a good idea, even if the match was inconsequential. I think they've broken up every women's tag team other than the champions, despite giving lots of time to the women. Those sorts of inexplicable decisions are why I'm hesitant to either dismiss or get excited for the new rosters until I get a look at what they've got planned for them. Anything can happen is a double-edged sword. Well, I can say that I think the, the women's tag division, it is going to be we have the champions... And then it is going to be the other women that are not in storylines that we can just pair together. And I think it's going to be a constant cycle of makeshift teams that if hopefully they catch on, like they found this combination of Ripley and Nikki, and now it's just finding challenges for them. And it's just going to be like we've got Carmella and Zelina Vega now on Raw. 
boom, there's your next tag title program. Like that's what the extent is going to be where I think it's just going to be nothing's going on for these people. So let's put them together and we could very well see God, um, Shayna Baszler and Tamina on SmackDown. Yeah, I I I think we've seen enough of this tag team division to know that there, I there is no tag team division in the women's WWE roster. They are simply props to build your single stars. All the teams that have um you know been uh, active so far have been makeshift teams. Like, who was the last real team we had? I mean, I guess Tamina and Natalia kind of, but like the Iconics maybe. You know, maybe the Kabuki Warriors, but like they, they, they're they all just like single stars that are kind of put together um, to create something. But ultimately with the purpose of uh, making the single stars more well-known. Um, and that's to me the case here with Rhea Ripley and, and what is it? Um, what's her name? Nikki A.S.H. And it will continue to be. Um, I they, They're again, they're just props for them to get airtime on TV. All right. Um, so once again, the uh, yeah, just going over once again, like the supplementary picks that we're after. It included Raw getting Liv Morgan, Dana Brooke, Dolph Ziggler, Bobby Roode, Jackson Riker, Veer, Mia Yim, Tamina, Knox, Shelton Benjamin, Cedric Alexander, and The Miz. And SmackDown getting Shotzi Blackheart, Chinder Mahal, Natalia, and Shanky. Shanky. Okay, we forgot him. He could be a Big threat, baby face or heel. This could be what what we've been waiting for for Shanky. Shanky, I'm I am actually curious because like if he's a single star, they might actually dig a bit deeper into his actual story. You know, you're thinking of Veer. Veer is the one with the like the baseball background and had the movie made about him. So is he the one broken off or is you know He's on Raw by himself. Yeah. Shanky is with Jinder on SmackDown. Sorry. That's what yeah. I meant. I'm sorry. V- yes. Veer is the one I-, I think they will. Like they they introduced like the finisher last week with the wind up. Um they they should. I mean, they don't call him by his name, but he's got, you know, tons of appeal and <laughs> You know, the fact that, you know, they are trying to create stars for different different places in the world. Uh, he certainly checks off those boxes as someone that would be someone that they get behind. And the fact that they're separating them, probably seeing like, what what does this guy have now that we can just throw him out there? So mm-hmm. there you go. That is the show, everyone. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. We're back on Tuesday to chat about this Will Ospreay documentary as we are enlisting Benno to come join us. And we will chat about... Um, this whole scene, this documentary, and Way's thoughts on it. I'm I'm looking for your dissection, Way. I'm looking for yours and Benno's as well. So um, it's been a while, I feel, since we've done a, a documentary re- review. So if you are not in Canada, you'll be able to watch it uh, on Amazon Prime. Otherwise, just listen to us talk about it. Yeah, we'll all... Uh... We'll just read the script. We'll all take parts and we'll just reenact it. Uh, But that's coming up on Tuesday for Cafe Members. And we're back Wednesday night at 10.15 p.m. Eastern Time for Rewind a Dynamite uh, for the show coming out of, where are they? Philadelphia on on Wednesday, which has the the big eight-man tag, the ladder match. Uh, This is going to be, this should be quite a a notable Dynamite on, on Wednesday. Yeah, absolutely. So there's that, and of course, everybody, uh, G1 reviews all week long, or at least um, G- all month long, I should say, because this Saturday is when we'll pack three into one, so now's your time to, time to really get caught up, I would say, 
and uh, bonuses the rest of the week at postwrestlingcafe.com. All right. That's it for us. Thanks to everybody for listening. We'll speak with you this week.